they'll be betraying you for what he has for you ultimately. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, that our money has been destined, Father, for greater things in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. I want to pray, Lord, that you'll keep his heart pure. Keep his mind fixed on you. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, right now. You can speak back to me, too. (laughs) (coughs) Where's Jesus right now? He's here. We've received him. Received him by his spirit. He's here. With us today. The Holy Spirit is drawing us closer and closer to fellowship with him. Isn't it amazing? And he wants to speak to us. Not only that, he wants to speak through us. So that we can be his mouthpiece in this generation that we're living in. And so as we're sitting there this morning, God is speaking you. This isn't just a faith of the head, it's a faith of the heart. And as we receive him into our hearts, he starts to stir in us his gifts, his talents, his anointings through our lives. And we're honored to be able to live in a body that expresses those gifts in a different way. But all of us hear the voice of the Father. All of us hear the voice of the Spirit. I remember in my early days that I got saved. Um, I got saved in the beginning of the charismatic era, when, when, a, when, a, when a Pentecostal uh, tent kind of meeting, you know, hall in Kimberley. Uh, we got in there, and it was just unreal, the atmosphere. I was a, a rank sinner when I came in, and the, and the atmosphere was just so with the presence of God. But it wasn't long when I started to say, what's going on here? When I saw a healing, I was, it was me. That was me. When I saw somebody physically healed, it changed me for life. I've often gone back to that healing. I built a memorial around that healing, as I'm sure Murray's doing in his life. As David did when he overcame the lion and the bear. You build a memorial around that. When he came to the king, the king said to him, who do you think you are? He says, I know the hand of God. By his hand, I've killed the lion, the bear. He has dispersed Philistines. You know what I'm saying? And so God speaks to us so that we can be overcomers in the situation we find ourselves in. He speaks to us so that we can audibly, I do say audibly, we can hear his voice. Sometimes audibly. But that we can hear his voice. And those early days in the charismatic era where the gifts were flowing, it was called the charismatic era because the charismata are the gifts of the Spirit. And they were flowing freely amongst the churches. You'd sit in a meeting like this and someone would get up and have a tongue, another one an interpretation of that tongue. And the gifts were flowing. I went to one of the most spiritual services I was ever at was an Anglican service in the cathedral in Grangetown where they were ordaining new priests, and it was amazing. I mean, it was one of the most charismatic services I was ever in. Amazing. 
why did it go? I think many of us have come in here, maybe from the beginning, and we kind of bring in a, a, a low expectancy. Forgive me for making that judgment. I'm not because I'm identified with myself. We bring in a low expectancy to hear about God, but maybe not to experience Him ourselves <coughs> and to hear His voice ourselves. And so I hope you're on a journey. And the Lord loves it when we say, Lord, teach us to pray, because His disciples also owned up and said, We know, we see you praying. We see you praying at all, all times and all places, but teach us to pray. And so we need to say, Lord, teach us to hear your voice clearly. Teach us so that we can be tuned in to what the Spirit is saying to us. Because I'm expectant, and I hope you are too. As we come together like this, we need to say, Lord, this gift, stir it this morning, Lord. Stir, show me those gifts of knowledge, the gifts of um, tongues and interpretation, and gifts of healing, and, and so on. Let's, let's, can you stir within us? Because it's not just for now, it's for life. You know, but this is where we kind of get encouraged to use the gifts and to start to exercise the gifts is here. Because as we come together um, in a corporate sense, God kind of presences himself amongst us in a powerful way. So I want to just share a few things this morning. I kind of didn't know what to title it, but in the end I settled with, let's keep the lights on. Let's keep the lights on. There's a few, there's a few phrases that we've grown up with um, in the world Phrases like, don't do what I do, do what I say. You know that one? Have you ever been, I mean, I started smoking when I was at high school. And I started smoking behind the, you know what high school kids do, behind the corners. And um, so many guys would say to me, hey, you're too young to smoke. Because I, I, I decided to own up from then. I was, I think, kind of nine at school, and I went to my parents, and I said to them, I smoke. <laughs> I just... They had a fit for an hour or two, and after that it was gone. I didn't have to hide my breath away and <laughs> color, color my, try and wash nicotine off my fingers and that kind of thing. I could just live my life normally because I told them I smoked. And so somebody comes to you smelling with bad breath, yellow fingers, don't do what I do, do what I say. Um, but if it doesn't work for you, why must it work for me? Do you know what I'm saying? That's the kind of response I would have. Listen. Preach to yourself. Listen to your own words. This one is quite prevalent in the church today. Don't follow man, follow God. Don't follow man, follow God. I want to say around that, we must be very careful. We do not make our own theology based on experience. Theology comes from the Word of God. And we understand God by understanding the Word of God, not understanding somebody else who has fallen. You know what I'm saying? So let's keep our eyes on Him. And, uh, and I'll explain that a little bit later. It'll become clearer. I'm not perfect. I also make mistakes, but I try my best to learn from my own mistakes. We've all heard that. And maybe we've all said that sometime or another. I make mistakes. Listen, I'm only human. I make mistakes, but at least I try to learn from my mistakes. All of these have got a valid point somewhere. So I'm not kind of dis discounting all of these points I'm sharing with you. But it's stupidity if we allow us to guide us. If we just allow my mistakes to guide me. I need something to guide me other than my mistakes. You know, I made the mistake based on a certain premise. That's why I made the mistake. So I mustn't look at the mistake and say, mistake teach me. 
I need to have something else to give me the basis for, for living my life. Because we can't really trust ourselves. Hello? We can't, none of us here can trust ourselves. Not one of us standing here today or sitting today can trust ourselves. Jeremiah um, 17 verse 2 says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things. Have you ever thought of it in that way? This, my, this thinking process, this is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? <laughs> we're all good. We've all got some good in us, maybe somewhere. No, on our own, our hearts will lead us astray if we allow it to. It's a dangerous place to be where we'll just stay with ourselves and trust ourselves because our heart on its own is the most wicked thing imaginable. On Isaiah 5, Isaiah says to the Jewish nation, he says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, and put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Maybe we need to hear these words every now and again. kind of brings us back to humility, doesn't it? kind of brings us back to the place where we say, Lord, help me to open my heart and my lives for people around me. But I, Lord, but I, this is what the Lord says in Jeremiah 17, he says, but I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. Have you ever thought of that? He examines, he knows what's causing me to make the decisions I make. That's a motive. He knows that. He knows my, me so well that he knows the thoughts that form my decisions as I go around life. I give all people their due rewards according to what your actions deserve, Jeremiah says. It's verses like this that have caused me to adopt a position in my life. And I want to hope all of us do that. Adopt a position in my life where I have to be accountable. I have to, it's not an option. I have to be accountable. I've been looking around the world in my 20 odd years on this earth. I've been looking around trying to find something, somebody perfect to submit to, and I've never found anybody. See, because that's not what it says. It says that all of us, all of us left to our own devices will develop wickedness in our hearts. And so there's no perfect person for me to come to and say, please help me watch my life. There's no perfect one, although I would love to find one. Maybe someday I will one day. It'll be a bit late for living life on this earth, though. We will always, at City Church, we will always know that we are under submission. My life is under submission. I hope your lives are under submission. doesn't all have to be under submission to me, but under, amongst each other, our lives have to be in submission. When we joined the Every Nation, well, Jim, Jill and I went to Roger. You met Roger a couple of weeks ago. We went to Roger, and he said, Roger, he's as old as my oldest daughter. He said to him, Roger, we have chosen, Jill and I, 
you're old enough to be your father, we have chosen to submit our lives to you. Jill still said, added, if you want to move us to Christ, I said, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> but, but she said something like that. She said, you, if, if you feel God is moving us, or you just, you tell us, we want to give, tell you that we are in submission to you. We have to. We have to. If we do not, Jeremiah 17 starts its filthy work in our lives. It starts to speak to us about how important we think we are on our own. And I don't want to be there. We will submit to one another and we will honor one another. According to Ephesians 5 verse 21. The beauty of that is, is that we gathered here today and there's a multiplicity of gifts gathered here. When we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we get filled with his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit is the gift who starts dispensing the gifts that he needs to exercise in the world. And so gathered with us today are different gifts. I might have one or two gifts that I express and joyfully express in the body, but I'm limited in how I see the body of Christ or how I see what God needs. And so gathered with us today, and this is where I really want to exhort us, are a multiplicity of gifts that help towards fulfilling what God wants to do in George at this time. And if we, through some... Um, character fault, decide I'm going to throw all my toys out the cot and leave, guess what happens? The body is poorer. The body begets birth as a result of that. The, that aspect of the, of the body, that gift representation of the body is no longer present to fulfill and accomplish what Jesus wants to at that time. But this is where honor comes in. What is honor? Honor is a very kind of a um, difficult word to explain. Don't you find that? Because we interpret honor in Africa as putting the king up there and bowing before him and making sure that he's happy and satisfied and what he says goes. When we look at honor in a Christian context, I want to submit to you today that it's very different to what that is. It's very different. Honor is seeing what God is doing in you and appreciating God in somebody. Appreciating Him in you. In other words, going to Him and saying, I appreciate that gift. I'm so glad it's in my life. I'm so glad you're on this journey with me. Because isn't it wonderful that when we do come to a meeting or something like that, and someone has a word for us, as we heard this morning through our next gift testimony, someone has a word for us, and it changes our lives. It changes the destiny of our lives because that gift is there. Now, I want to honor that gift. I can't disrespect the gift and say, Lord, but I need prophecy. You know what I'm saying? And so I want to honor God amongst us by honoring what God is doing in us and through us. I have to do that if I want to experience the multiplicity of his gifting amongst us. We are ultimately answerable to God. And the, one of the major emphases of that is about how we treat people. We're answerable to God 
and ma- majorly how we treat people. You see, because I don't think there is an expression of God where we can just serve him alone and disregard people. Jesus came to seek out the sinner, the lost. And when he came to seek out the lost, the lost became part of our lives as my lostness got found with the lostness around me. It became part of our lives, but ultimately my life is answerable to God and to God alone. I'm going to stand before him one day and he's going to judge me according to my life upon this earth. The word is quite clear on that. So ultimately, I'm answerable to him and to him alone. The scribes and the Pharisees were badgering Peter and Peter said this to him. This was his reply to him in Acts 5, 29. He said, we must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than men. We need to see that in context. The context of this was that there was a religious order that said to Peter, you will not speak that name in Jerusalem. You won't speak, you won't mention that name of Jesus in Jerusalem. He said, I have to. I obey God rather than men. It was going to right to the essence of his, his, his function on earth. It was going right to the essence of that and saying, you won't speak. He said, I have to. I have to obey God rather than men. It wasn't about when brothers come to us and give us a word that we don't like to say, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm rather going to listen to God. It's got nothing to do with that. You know what I'm saying? So it's not about believers speaking to us. It's not about believers saying, giving us and coming us maybe a message that's a little bit obtuse. Have you had some of those? Somehow in the ministry, we get quite a few of those. That's fairly obtuse. This has got to do about people who are hostile. They're calling us by the governmental order, calling us and saying, you will not speak in the name of Jesus. Now, this verse was used largely in an era that I grew through when I was in the ministry, in the Methodist ministry, and it was called liberation theology, where they adopted an attitude that at some time you justified to kill somebody because of what they believe and doing in the nation. Now, that's diabolical. That's taking the word of God and twisting it around and using it to serve my ends. So it's got nothing to do with that. It's got nothing to say that I can now take up arms, which is against the word of God. He says, love your enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use you. I wonder, I wonder. I've often, I often tease myself with thoughts like this. I hope you do as well. I often wonder, what happens if this nation knows that God is our provider? What difference would that make? about how we live if we all know that he is our provider I need to go to him for a miracle I need to go to him to see lives changed I need to go to him to see my circumstances changed not throw it away on the corner or have a political response to what God is doing I think a kingdom response is much more, is much, I mean, imagine if we all live in harmony and peace with each other. Just imagine this nation, one of the richest resource nations in the world. 
what it could look like. I tease myself for thoughts like that. But we live with God and with man. We don't just live with God. It's not like God saves me and then he isolates me and says, now you will, you, it's just you and me. Let's just, let's just be cool together. We never in that, I would nearly say privileged position, but it's not a privileged position. It's, we're, we're never in that position where it's just God and I. It's always me, God, and somebody else. Always. We never get born again just for my salvation, just for my peace, just for my prosperity. It's always us and God. The Lord has given us a social order to live in that he oversees in an awesome way, if we think of it. He understands, and in fact, just about all of the epistles were written to address these issues about how we're living together with him and receiving his presence amongst us. Just about all of them are written that way. How to attract, in other words, how to attract, how to position ourselves to attract his presence amongst us. One of the major themes in the epistles is, is that. And so he says to this in 1 Peter 3 verse 7, go back into marriage. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Sorry, I read that wrong. It's not husband, it's husbands. Just in case one husband thinks he's speaking about us and our wives. It's one husband, one wife. And treat them with respect. As the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gifts of life. In other words, he's saying, listen, husband, right next to you, with you, is someone who is an heir with you. Heirs of a king. So in other words, we're standing before God, co-heirs before him. And so we need to remind ourselves, husbands, we need to remind ourselves, wives, that when, we, when we're in our home with our husband and our wife, it's actually a son and a daughter of a king that I'm living with. It's not somebody that I can decide how I want to live and just make up my, my own decisions about how I want to live. Treat them with respect as the weaker partner, and as heirs with you in the gracious gifts of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. You see, if that wasn't in there, it wouldn't have spoiled it for us. We could have done just what we like. Just what we like. But God says, I'm watching how you are living. I'm watching, I'm witness how you're living. Because at the same time, you come to me day and night. I mean, this is a theme that's followed right through the Old Testament. You come to me day and night with all your tears. He said, but I'm watching if I can answer them. I want to be a witness as if I can answer those prayers or not. And this is one of the things that releases the hands of God to bless us. Is that we're living right with our wives. It's a huge responsibility, isn't it? It's a huge responsibility. You see, because unfortunately, if we do not realize the ever-presence of God in our lives, that we're answerable to Him and to Him alone with how we live our lives, we start to, 
And this is the, the one that we said, let's leave the lights on. With respect to the blind Pharisees, Matthew 23, 26, blind, seek first to cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, and then outside will also be clean. So in other words, when we come to God, let's make sure on a personal basis that we're okay with him. That's why the Holy Spirit, as he's given to us, he's given to us at the time of self, one of his first things he'll do to us is convict us of sin. That's his role. That's his role. And I would say to us this morning and to all of us, I say, Lord, help me to be sensitive to that thing. I'd rather go back and apologize twice than not at all. I'd rather make a mistake on the side of love and grace and forgiveness than on the side of judgment. You know what I'm saying? Lord, help us to be sensitive so that our lives can be an overflow and be a blessing. Matthew 10, verse 26, B says, for, this, for the time is coming, everything that is covered will be revealed, and that all secrets will be made known to all. What I tell you now in the darkness about, shout abroad when daylight comes, that I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops for all to hear. God is saying that he sees there's nothing, there's no secret chamber where we can go to. Close the door, make sure we're in secret, look what we like, allow our minds to wander where they want to wander, and think that God doesn't see. We might hide it from men long enough, what we do, but we can't hide it from God. What we surf on our computers the porn is that's so prevalent today, that's polluting from the inside out. God watches every click. He knows what's happening. It's one of the biggest industries, I believe, on the internet. God watches what's happening. Close the door and live honestly. You see, if we start lying, lying to ourselves, it's a dead-end alley that God but is to reach because we put all these protections around ourselves. I mean, I've heard just about all of them. It, the Bible says, doesn't say you can't go there. doesn't say you can't surf porn. Bible says don't surf porn. It says, but you need to make a covenant with your eyes. It does say that. What we see with our eyes will pollute us on the inside. It will cause the lights to dim. When we're sitting, filling in our income tax forms, all alone in our office, all alone, and we can make some statements on the income tax that maybe affects. Maybe we knew it in the beginning when we started doing it, but as time went by, we started to persuade ourselves that it's not so bad. It always happens like that. God knows every stroke of the pen. He knows every step. He's done it. He's seen it before. And so it's so important that when we lie and cheat with one another, that we understand we are answerable to God about it. Not that we'll be caught out by man, but we're answerable to him. We're answerable to each other. 
so that we have a responsibility towards each other. I've shared this with you so many times before. Jill and I were walking in town one day. We walked into a shop. There was a girlie behind the counter we'd never seen in our lives before. As we started, Jill started, I don't forget what shop it was, but we were buying something. And uh, she said from behind the counter, Oh, more pastor, we're going with you. I'd never seen in my life before. I must have preached somewhere where she was or something. We walked out of the shop and we kind of said to each other, it's like living in a fishbowl. Did you get it? It's the secret fishing. <laughs> it's the secret fishing. That's what, that's what it is. That's what it is. And I want to do that with my head held high. That there's not things that are happening that make me ashamed to stand up on a platform and to proclaim the name of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? With a clean heart, clean conscience. We've got a responsibility as far as how we manage our finances. Some people say that it's okay for me just to be answerable to God. I'm not going to come and submit to you because I'm only answerable to God. A, a number of years ago, this scripture messed up that idea that I had completely. It was Galatians. It was Paul speaking. Paul is saying something like this. He said, I did not receive from any man. He said, um, I didn't receive something from any man, and I haven't made it up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus. Paul is saying, God spoke to me, and God told me this. And so I must be obedient to God, because he told me this. Now, I've heard that so often. It's unreal. God told me to do this, so I'm going to do this. This is Paul speaking, by the way. This is Paul speaking, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He says, in Galatians 2 verse 1, he said, I went in response to a revelation to set before them the gospel that I preached amongst the Gentiles. And who's the them? It's the other apostles. So he said, God told me this, and by revelation, I went to them. And I took this revelation that God had given me and I put it at the feet of the apostles and I said to them, you judge it if this is God's word or not. Yo. He said this, there was a little bit of doubt in him because he said this, but I did this privately to those who seemed to be leaders for fear that I was running or had run my race in vain. This is Paul speaking to the Gentiles, being sent by God to the Gentiles, and then lying awake at night and thinking, yeah, I wonder if this is God. I wonder if this, if it is God, I can give my life for it. If it's not, I don't want to die in vain. I think those were the thoughts going around in his mind. Wait, 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 wait. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll go and submit this to the leaders. I'll go and submit this to my fellow apostles for them to tell me if I'd run my race in vain. What happens if one of them had got up and said, Paul, you're barking down the wrong alley. That's what he was asking for. 
And so we need to understand that we have got a responsibility to each other so that the lights don't go out. When we make a decision to be on our own, shame. No more body. You know what? Jill and I are in a, in a life group now. I wouldn't give it up for anything. When we go into the life group, we're a member of the life group. We don't go in as Mr. and Mrs. Boss. We're a member of the life group. We open our lives. We become vulnerable in that atmosphere. Because our gift is one of the gifts. The only thing that can hinder me and Jill from receiving the word of God is to become proud. Only thing. And think that we're the peanuts in the packet. I want them. I want to open my life to them in such a way that they've got full access into my life. I, would, I mean, we've already spoken to one of them gets up and says that he's going and the Lord told him this. Yes, share it with us. We want to hear it. Share it with us. And there has to be one unspoken condition. Maybe we need to speak about it every now and again. That love is not up for debate. That we will love one another. Love has got nothing to do with you speaking the word of truth to me. I will love you even if it doesn't, I don't like to hear it. The commitment is to love each other and to hear God's word through us. We've got a responsibility to those who are just watching us from afar. Those who are checking us out. We haven't only got a responsibility to us here, but we've got a responsibility to those who are watching us from afar. Going down in the mines, which is a fairly rough environment, as I'm sure you can imagine. Learned as well that there's a tough out, outside. As soon as you get past that toughness, there's a gentleness on the inside. But every now and again, there'd be a, a meeting in Kimberley and a couple of guys would give their lives to the Lord and now every now and again, one of them was in the mines. And it seemed to be the pleasure, take pleasure in trying taunting the guys that's given his life to the Lord to such an extent that he'll give up. And it happened on a few occasions where they, where they taunt you, they, they tease you about giving your life to Christ. And they say to you, how long are you going to stand? I mean, that's the kind of thing... But as you go dropping down into the bowels of the earth, well, it's a dominy, he's off and off. <laughs> but there was one of the guys who was right in the front of that taunting. He used to taunt me at every turn. You know, it was such a good foundation for me. I had to learn there to stand strong. I had to learn there in that taunting. Now, in the mines, sometimes you work in a place that's very inhospitable, far away from, from everything. And you can't, you can't do everybody's work. I was an electrician on the mines, and every now and again, I had to connect up a motor or a pump or whatever it was. And the boiler maker had to come and change the thing, and he had to come and work with us in this place. And then the rigger had to come, and he had to pull the thing into place and bolt it down. And so there were quite a few disciplines involved. I was stuck with this uh, boiler maker on my own for a couple of hours. This guy who's in my face, 
about my newfound faith. And so I was very friendly to him. I just wanted to be Christ to him at that stage. And, and um, he taunted three or four minutes. I said to him, how are you doing? Yeah, no fine. I said, tell me about your family. And he started to weep. He said to me, Dave, my wife's having an affair. I said, you're losing your temper. And my wife. All of a sudden, we were at the right place at the right time. All of a sudden, I could rally with him and say, come, let me pray with you. That's not God's destiny for your life. Let me pray with you. And so we were stuck there for two hours in prayer and conversation and prayer and conversation and exhortation and encouragement. Needless to say, the teasing stopped. The ridicule stopped from him. But because he was a loudmouth, others stopped too. You see, that's what happens. People are watching us. They're watching to see what is inside. They're watching to see what comes out when the pressure is on sometimes. Let's be good fishers. Let's keep the lights on. Let's be the light of God has placed us in the city to be the light for the city, for our lights to shine. Jesus said in 1 Corinthians 4, actually Paul says this, he says, therefore I urge you, Paul is saying this is the statement, don't follow man, follow God. Paul is saying this, therefore I urge you, imitate me. Paul is saying this. To copy me. Look how I live. And live like me. For this reason I'm sending you Timothy, my son whom I love, you is, who, who is faithful to the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus which agrees with what we teach everywhere in every church. Paul says, Timothy is going to speak about how I live in Jesus to you. Follow me. Follow me. You see, he was confident that he was following the Lord. He was confident that he was, he was with the Lord. He didn't have another agenda about making a big church and a lot of chandeliers and a name for himself. There was no, there was no empire written in his heart. It was kingdom written in his heart. Follow me. Follow me, he says. If every single one of us can go into our community so assured of who Jesus is. Not Jesus is, but Jesus is. So assured. We will walk into a business and all of a sudden we'll stop. Yes, Lord. Fix me again, confirm me. We learn to speak in tongues when we are here. But God starts to speak to us. Give a word of encouragement. A word of exhortation. Walk out of the shop and people will say, Oh, that's where I saw you. Wasn't that a fresh breeze in there? I feel so encouraged all of a sudden. Because Jesus has encouraged us. So, Father, I want to pray that you will prevent our lights from going out. 
We, want, we don't want to experience low periods in our life where there's periods of darkness. We just want to pray, Lord, that you'll help us to shine bright for you. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Father, may not just the words be our testimony, but the lives we live. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I just want to share a short testimony. About three, three weeks or so, Dave preached on Matthew 10. And, and it starts off, I'm just going to read the first verse. And he said, He called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And this was all about the authority that Jesus has given his disciples, that he, but that he has given us. And in that week after that, I couldn't sleep one night. And at 12 o'clock, I was still wide awake. And I just went down and uh, downstairs and I, and I just prayed. And, and, I, and I do sometimes struff, struggle a little bit with FOMO. And I, I just said, Lord, I don't want to miss out with what you're busy doing. I don't want to miss out what you're doing in my life in City Church and in the city of George. Lord, I, I want to be like the sons of Issachar who could read the times, mm, yeah. who could see what you were busy at at the time. But I don't want to miss out. So I decided to read through the whole chapter of Matthew 10 again and really trusting the Lord to do something in me so that I won't miss out. And I just want to read, that was the first one. I want to read the last um, uh, verse in chapter 10. And I'm going to read this from the Message Bible. And it says here, The smallest act of giving or receiving makes you a true apprentice. You won't lose out on a thing. And I really felt the Lord was saying, but there's a condition. If you don't want to miss out, if you are like me and you have FOMO and you want to be part of God, what God is doing, then there's something you need to do. The least thing that you do. So it means that you don't know what God's going to do, but to, to really use every opportunity. Are you willing to be his apprentice? His apprentice and step out and the least you do to somebody else. You, you can expect a miracle or you're part of what he's doing and you won't lose out. But I said to the Lord, Lord, I need a little bit of, I need a little bit of help. Will you set me up? I asked, Lord, help me. Set me up. I want to experience this. I don't want to miss out. And the next day I went to the mall and I'm very much, I've got lists. I work with lists. Leslie will know that. And I, and I can really work fast when I'm on a mission. And I walked into the mall at the entrance there at the Billabong shop and, and Gap. And as I walked in there, I know some of you may know them, there was Alta and Kevin Diedrich, I think that, and Kevin has had a stroke. And Kevin was standing there with his, with his walker, um, and I started chatting with them, and we were just sharing about God's goodness. And while we were talking, Kevin started speaking, and he's still struggling a little bit with his speech, but the, a gentleman walked past with his wife, and he says, did you have a stroke? because he was also walking with a, with a walker, and he said, yes, I had a stroke. And this man was standing this side, and Kevin was standing this side of me, and I just knew this was the setup. And I asked him, and I didn't know this man from a bottle shop, so I said, can I pray for you? And he said, yes. So I was standing there and praying for Kevin and praying for this man, and they started praying for each other, and people were walking past and looking at this in the middle of the mall, and it was just so incredible because I'm an apprentice. So I'm willing to do because I don't want to miss out. So I'm trusting God for those miracles. So I know um, maybe there's some of you here sitting here today that are also feeling I need a, need a little bit of help. I need a little bit of help to be God's apprentice. So I just want to encourage you. Ask him for a setup. 
he will do it. Isn't that wonderful? Imagine that. We have put names in this bowl of our unsaved friends and family or of prayer requests. Juanit, come and stand with me, please. This bowl's much too heavy. <laughs> um, I'll hold the bowl. And I'll hold the mic. <laughs> um, we, we are trusting the Lord. There are testimonies coming through already, and we're not going to stop. We pray here on a Friday morning for these people. This, after all night prayers, the 13th of May, please dial us back. This is going to be our, our priority. Sorry, I'm still talking with my hands. Um, and we just trust him. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you that you are the God of miracles. We thank you that you will never disappoint us. We thank you that you are perfect in all your ways. And Lord, we trust you that you say when we cry out to you, you hear us. So Lord, we cry out this morning. We thank you in advance. We give you praise that it is your goodwill to save everyone on this planet. And so we know that we are partnering with you as we pray, Lord, every name and every family represented here, let your glory come. Have divine encounters, Lord. Have Damascus Road experiences. Lord, reveal yourself through your Holy Spirit for the loving, wonderful Father God that you are. And we pray, Lord, that there will be testimonies of dreams, visitations. And Lord, we thank you that we will give you the glory for every person that surrenders and their families to come in. We, we decree and we declare that this will happen because it is your will and your will will come to pass. And you promise that your word will never return void, but it will accomplish what you set it out to do. So we know that we are praying in line with you. And thus we know, 1 John 5, 14, when you pray my will, you know that I hear you and I will do what you ask. And we thank you for this now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Go and enjoy a cup of coffee and some fellowship. And if you need prayer, please come forward. Um, we, we, we are waiting. There's a team for anything or healing, breakthrough in any area of your life. Please come forward and we can minister to you.